This can-do podcast is brought to you by Blake Albina Thoroughbred Services. Blake Albina is a full-service bloodstock agency and consignment company representing clients at every major horse sale in the country. For more information, call Ron Blake at 859-396-4836 or Hunsley Albina at 859-621-0800. Whether an experienced owner or a newcomer to the game, Blake Albina has the knowledge and experience to help you achieve your goals in the thoroughbred industry. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the web is clear, can do. This is Bill Duncliffe. I want to welcome you back to another edition of our Can Do Horse Racing Podcast. The podcast about all things horse racing, some history, some handicapping, and some humor. This is our Big Score segment. The Big Score segment of our podcast is brought to you by your friends at Endeavor Farm on Old Frankfurt Pike in the heart of the bluegrass. Every Big Score has its roots down on the farm. Boarding, breeding, foaling, layup care, and sales prep are all services offered by Terry Nickel and his team at Endeavor. You can reach Terry at 859-509-7035 or email him at terry at endeavorfarmky.com. That's E-N-D-E-A-V-O-R-F-A-R-M-K-Y.com. Thanks again to our friends at Endeavor Farm for sponsoring The Big Score. In this week's Big Score story, you're going to learn several things. One is the power of advertising. Second is that it was possible in the 2009 Kentucky Derby to have mind that bird on your tickets and not have that be your biggest score of the day. And third, you'll learn that a lot of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. This was a great conversation with Keith Hagg, farm manager at Big Score sponsor Endeavor Farm. I laughed a lot, I learned a lot, and I think you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Joining us on today's Big Scores, Keith Haig. Keith is the farm manager at our Big Score sponsor, actually, Endeavor Farm. So, um, Keith, you've got a, a Big Score story for us. You you actually um, were quite modest when you and I were talking, uh, emailing back and forth. You said you are a, uh, you know, a, a, I think a in-and-out handicapper. Maybe uh, the <laughs> handicapping skills come and go, right? But that's true of all of us. So, uh, you know, I think you're being overly modest there. But we'll, we're going to talk about one where... Uh, the they were certainly in play right yeah absolutely as a handicapper you know you have a lot of good days and a lot of bad days i've had a lot more bad days than i've had good as is the case with most handicappers i think that's but those right good days are what keeps us coming back yep. and you know you get you do have those few good days sprinkled in here and there which are the ones that get you hooked and the ones that get you really following the sport and once you kind of keep you coming back to the window so I can tell you the story about the, the best day I've ever had at the races, and that was May 2nd, 2009, Derby Day. Okay. And Good day to have a big day. You, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you recall that that was the last time we had a huge long shot come in as the winner in the Derby, mm. and that was Mind That Bird, of course. Yes, it was. Yeah. The one that Tom, so Durkin, that, that the a, one that Tom Durkin didn't see until he was crossing the finish line, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a pretty funny call, yes, yeah. because it, it snuck up on Tom Durkin as it did everybody else. Yeah. Um, I don't think a whole lot of people expected that horse to be in the money that day. And <laughs> oddly enough, I actually had money on that horse, but that's not actually the reason why I had the best day um, I've ever had gambling that day. It was just one of those days where 
you just keep cashing one ticket after another, after another, after another. And it, it was definitely the most tickets I've ever cashed in one day. Um, I'll probably never cash as many tickets again in one day as I did that day. And I don't know what was in the water. Um, <laughs> but I just, I could not stop winning money that day. And in 2009, I had just started working in the horse industry. I, I started working with horses in 2007. Okay. And before that, I, I really had no knowledge of the industry whatsoever. Um, I, I grew up in Louisville, so obviously the Kentucky Derby was a big part of my life. And anybody that's from Louisville knows that the biggest parties in Louisville don't happen at Churchill Downs. They happen at houses right, all around right, the city right. of Louisville. People have these huge derby parties that are you know, in that city just as important as Christmas or any other big holiday. And so I always grew up going to derby parties, and it was always a big part of my life. But I never really followed horse racing outside of the Triple Crown until I started working with horses in 2007. So in 2009, it was when I was really just starting to fall in love with the industry, and I was just starting to gain some knowledge of pedigrees and kind of the ins and outs of the industry and how things worked. And I was in college at that time, and um, I went to school at UK, but I had a group of friends that had a house at the corner of 3rd Street and Central Avenue in Louisville. Mm. And so at, that's directly across the road from the infield entrance right. to Churchill Downs. So it was a, you know, <laughs> during Derby time, that was the place to be. It was, it was always a crazy environment. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they always made a lot of money parking cars in their yard and used that to fund all the festivities of the weekend. <laughs> That's great. God bless <laughs> and, America. That's what I say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a great place mm -hmm. uh, to, to be during that weekend or, or any time, really. But so that was kind of our home base all throughout college. You know, when, when it was Derby weekend, you know, everybody was there. And, you know, some of us would go to the Derby or the Oaks. Some of us didn't. When I was in college, there were several years when I went to the Derby, and, and 2009 was one of them. So at that house, the morning before the Derby, you know, a lot of our friends are there and we're all, you know, picking out bets, going through the program, figuring out who we're going to bet on that day. And so uh, a couple of friends and I just kind of sat down and, and put some wagers together. And I, I knew very little about handicapping or getting value at that time. You know, I was making a lot of silly bets back then, like, you know, simple things like I would, I would bet a horse across the board all the time, which... You know, now these days, I hardly ever put money on a horse to show unless it's a huge long shot. Yep. And so we would put together, you know, a lot of silly bets, just like a dollar try box with three horses in it for six dollars. You know, it's, <laughs> which is looking back now, it's an extremely difficult bet to hit. And and really, I I I never bet one dollar try boxes with three horses anymore. That's just a <laughs> that I never make anymore. But that day, it it, uh, it came in pretty handy. We we hit a pretty nice break off. But anyways, so uh, <clears throat> a couple friends and I had gone to the infield, and I remember since we had put all our bets together that morning, I had this huge list of wagers, and the windows in the infield, get the, the lines get extremely long, yeah. so I wanted to just make one trip through the line, so very <laughs> early in the day, right after we got there. Very considerate, Keith, very considerate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, considering I didn't have to go back to the window, but a little inconsiderate for the people standing behind me waiting to make their wagers as I stand there for five minutes just rattling <laughs> off all these bets. But anyways, I get all of my bets in for myself and I, some other friends had given me some money to place some wagers for them that weren't going to the track that day. So I remember I had gotten through the line. <clears throat> like I said, it was still very early in the day. I placed all my wagers. We went and got something to eat, got a couple of beers, and I, I remember looking at my wallet, and I had like $3 left in my wallet, and I was like, Man, I really hope some of these bets come in. Um, <laughs> and 
sure enough, they did. It, like I said, it was just one of those days where you couldn't do any wrong. And I, I remember some of the bets that I hit, but earlier in the day, I remember I had some horses that I had bet across the board. I remember a couple of friends and I had split a couple of exactos that we had hit, and we were having a, a really good day. It was a lot of fun. And then later in the day, you know, we, we had already filled our wallets back up. We were having a great time. And those last few races, I hit some of the biggest licks I've ever hit. And it started, I had to go back and look this up because okay. obviously that was a long time ago. And I didn't remember specifically what races these were and what we had hit. But going back and looking, the first big ticket that I cashed was in the Churchill Down, or the Churchill Distaff Turf Miles. And there was a filly in that race named Tizaquina who went off at odds of nine to one. And I, I don't remember what it was I liked about her, but I really liked her. And I, I put a lot of money across the board on her and she won. And so that was the beginning of, you know, having a really good day turning into a great day. Yeah. yeah. But then the race after that was the one where it was one of the biggest trifectas we've ever had before. It was in the Humana Distaff, and I couldn't remember exactly how much it was, but I went back and looked. It's kind of surprising. The horse that won was a silly named Informed Decision, mm-hmm. and she was a really good racehorse. And she went off at odds. Uh, she was 3.2 to 1, the second choice on the board. And even with her winning, the the $2 trifecta paid $1,650 because in second and third place, you had a 30-30, I'm sorry, a 33 to 1 over a 12 to one. So oh even though a short price course came in on top, it still was a very lucrative trifecta. And, um, that was one of those silly wagers where I think me and, um, another friend of mine earlier that morning, he had picked a horse that he liked in the race. I had picked a horse that I liked in the race. And then we had picked one horse that we mutually liked. For some reason, we picked horses one, two, and three. That's and sure enough, we hit the trifecta. We only had it for a dollar, but it still paid over $800 and split two ways, you know, that was a day that was just continuing to get better and better. And we were, we were just elated after that trifecta came in. It was just, Oh my gosh, <laughs> it, I can imagine. It was a lot of fun as you can imagine yeah. for, for a couple of kids who were, who were broke and didn't know a whole lot about horse racing at the time. And, um, that trifecta sticks out of my memory. It's probably one of the most fun ca- uh, tickets I've ever cashed before. <laughs> Just imagine. So then the, the the good luck just continues. So um, I don't think I cashed the ticket in the Woodford. But then um, moving on to the Derby, my my friends and I that were in the infield, we actually wanted to see the Derby. So um, as you know, when you're in the infield at the Derby, you really can't see anything unless you're looking at a TV screen. Yeah. So we actually we left the track after the Woodford, and we walked back to our friend's house at Third and Central and watched the race from there. And I I can remember watching the race and being just as clueless as you were, like when the horse crossed the finish line, as you remember, you know, Tom Durkin had kind of messed up the call and everybody's kind of looking around at each other after the horse had crossed the wire, like, who was that? <laughs> and so I, I pull out this wad of tickets that I had in my pocket and I was like, oh my goodness, I, I, I put $2 across the board on mine that bird. <laughs> and the reason why I had done that. Yeah, is I because want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is even sillier. When I first got into the horse industry, if you remember, there there was a TV show that came on Saturday mornings. It was called Thoroughbred Week. Okay. And it was hosted by John Henderson. I don't know if you remember that show. It was only on in a few select local markets. 
Washington being one of them. But it was just a Saturday morning program where they would, it was a half hour long show and they would just recap all the big stakes races of the week. And it was a great show. It was great for somebody like me who at that time was just inhaling things like the blood horse and just trying to further my knowledge of pedigrees. And, and um, I, I really wish the show was still on because I, it was one of those things that I just, I love watching it every week. But one of the things that really appealed to me about the show was the commercials because almost all of the commercials during the show were thoroughbred industry oriented commercials and it's, you know, commercials you would never see anywhere else. Right. And I remember specifically during this time, there was a commercial that they would show over and over for Birdstone when he was, you know, he's mm. he was standing at, at Gainesway Farm. And as a part of this commercial, I remember they were, they were, as they would do with a lot of stallion commercials, they would go through and show short little clips of progeny from the stallion Right. And, you know, races that they were winning. And I, I remember specifically that in one of these commercials, there was a race of mine. That, I think it was when Mind That Bird was a two-year-old, one of the races he had won maybe up at Woodbine. It was Woodbine, correct. He, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember in this clip, he was winning by a pretty decisive margin. That, and the announcer's voice just stuck out in my head saying, Mind That Bird! <laughs> as he was coming down the lane. <laughs> okay. And so... Yeah. That's that great. was, it, it just stuck in my head, and I remembered that commercial, and just because of that attachment, I, I put two dollars across the board on oh my that bird, and sure enough, That's fantastic. It, it was a pretty nice return. Well, uh, Keith, you did uh, something that was pretty interesting to me, and I, I had this experience actually last year at the Belmont Stakes, It was, and I think it was a smart thing, and I, 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 I uh, did it because I knew I was going to be pressed for time, we were with a bunch of people, but on a big day, well, there's going to be a lot of celebrating and likely a lot of drinking and a lot of you know fun, raucous fun. Um, you put all your bets in ahead of time before <laughs> the alcohol begin to cloud your judgment, right? And and, <laughs> and, and I think that's a good move. Um, you know, um, I think some would argue with it and say, well, you got to wait to see what the odds are in value and things like that. But it, you know, if you kind of have a good idea of value ahead of time on on a big day when you know you're going to be doing a lot of celebrating, it's not necessarily a bad idea to put the bets in ahead of time. Um, but you were, uh, this was interesting to me. You were actually obviously keeping control of your faculties enough that you were able to go and cash the, ca uh, you separate out the tickets that were not winners. Right. And, uh, and go and cash the winners and fund, uh, I assume some raucous fund for the rest of the afternoon as these tickets rolled in. Right. Absolutely. And like I had said, I, we had gone back to my friend's house to watch the race. So I, the ticket on mine, that bird, and sure enough, and just another cherry on top, my, my actual derby horse that year was Pioneer of the Nile. So I think I'd put five across the board on Pioneer of the Nile, who <laughs> ran second. second. And yeah. <laughs> sure enough, going back, I was surprised he went off at uh, six to one. Yeah. He was the third choice that day. So that was, an, <laughs> I still, I had two tickets to cash. So I think it, it was a, a couple weeks later, I had gone through, it might have been Preakness Day, gone through the drive through window at Keeneland and, and cashed those couple of tickets. And I think maybe it, put a, a pregnant wager in on that day as well. Well, you said that you were not uh, as experienced a horse player then as you are now. And I was thinking to myself, as you were talking about having Pioneer in the Isle too, if you were a more experienced race player at that point in your life, you would have been beating yourself up for not having the exacta too, because that's, you know, <laughs> that's what horse players do. It's no matter how much they win, it's always, I could have won more if I had done this, right? Uh, so, I know that feeling all too well. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you a funny story, Keith, about Mind That Bird. Uh, that was, was probably a uh, year, yeah, it was 2009, so it was year two of a 
I annually, uh, started in 2008, I annually put out a summary ahead of the Kentucky Derby for my non-racing co-workers and friends. Um, just a little kind of humorous, uh, t- intended to be a little humorous look at each horse, right, and their chances. Uh, I try and sprinkle in a little bit of real handicapping stuff in there because my whole goal of it is just to kind of attract people into the game, hopefully. You know, they'll see that it's fun and you can you can have fun with this. So, you know, my, my own little thought is as I put this out to non-racing people, maybe some of them will watch the race, realize they like it, they enjoy it, and they want to get into it more, right? So that's my whole aim in doing this thing. But as I said, I, you know, I put in a little bit of the summary of each horse, and I will never forget uh, about Mind That Bird, what I wrote was, I would rather bet on a horse with three legs than bet on this one. <laughs> so you can imagine over the next week uh, some of the comments I heard about my Oh, skills that is fantastic. <laughs> um, but you know, a few years later, he was actually uh, stabled at Churchill for a long time. Um, I don't know if he still is, um, but I remember going to Churchill several years later, and you could go see mine that bird. He was there because he was a, a gelding, and um, or had been gelded, I guess, at that point. But you could go, you could go uh, visit him, and I, I went and looked at him and said, "Man, you you embarrassed this <laughs> out of me." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a great, that's a, that's a great story. That's a, that's a lot of fun too. Um, so how much, uh, look, if you remember, how much did you end up netting out, the, out at the end of the day? I just remember having wads of cash in my pockets. <laughs> I don't remember how much I invested and how much I came out with on top, but I, I, I can say with absolute certainty that that was the most profitable day at the track I've ever had. I've, I've won more money on a single race before, um, but I've never cumulatively won more money in a single day than I did on Derby Day of 2009. That's fantastic. That's, that's great stuff. <laughs> okay. But yeah, specific amount, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Not well, a clue. Uh, no doubt you were kind of uh, celebrating as we went, as we talked about earlier, right? As you went along. So, and, and when you're that age, right? A stack is a stack. You don't, you know, it's... <laughs> for sure i was i was a very very broke college student at the time and i was just happy to walk out of there with a whole lot more money than i walked in with for sure <laughs> that's a great story that's great <laughs> oh keith really thank you for sharing that for us i i, I enjoyed it even as i uh, <laughs> internally when you said mind that bird i thought to myself oh god <laughs> <laughs> that horse <laughs> but you know um i'll just wrap up by saying when I went back and I really looked at the past performances, because, uh, you know, I'm writing this thing about every horse in the race, and I'm like, ah, some of these I just can't even. But that Woodbine race he won was, I think, the premier two-year-old race for, uh, you know, the, the premier race for two-year-olds at Woodbine that year, and he won it by a big margin. So, you know, I thought to myself, man, I guess I could have seen this one if I had thought about it. But um, I think my thought was with the artificial, with the synthetic surface, I was like, well, I'm going to discount that one, you know, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, knowing what I know now about handicapping, going back, I probably would have felt the exact same way about mine that bird as you did. I never would put money on a, on a horse like that today. But it, it was just that sentiment, that weird thing that stuck out from that commercial during Thoroughbred Week is just the accumulation of a lot of things at that time. And, and I just happened to put, you know, a $6 wager down that returned, uh, you know, close to $200. and I. I would never place that bet again. I would never, I would never bet another one dollar try box with three horses. There's just, there's a lot of things I would, I would never do in my handicapping days these days compared to what I did back then. But 
you know, the foolish things that I would call foolish now are the reasons why I won so much money that day. Next week, we'll have another big score story for you, but we want to hear about yours also. Contact us directly at candobildi at gmail.com. That's C-A-N-D-O-B-I-L-L-D at gmail.com and tell us about it. We can record your segment together or you can just relate the story to me and I will relay it to our listeners. And if you wish, you can remain anonymous. So don't be shy. We know you've got a big score or two out there. I look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, of course, may the horse be with you.